Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Such a spectacular day. You've all been waiting for it. We've been waiting for it. Jamie's doing the dance <laughs> because you know what time it is. <laughs> and Brian, producer Brian, getting in there too with all the arm movements. Guys, we are finally able to talk about the newly released 2023 science fiction horror film, Megan, or her government name, which is what, Brian? <laughs> Model 3 Generative Android. Android? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to eat the toppings, Katie, not just the bread. You just did the one thing I asked you not to do. Research shows that if you force a child to eat vegetables, then they'll be less likely to choose those foods as adults. Is that so? Yes. Experts say the preferred method is to give your child the choice. It's called the division of responsibility. So we need to talk about school. Can I bring Megan? Katie, you know that's not possible. Then I'm not going. Oh, come on, Katie. Hey, I'm sorry. Let's just talk about it. Hey, hey, hey. Let me go. Whoa. Hey. What's going on? Hey, Katie. Go. What are you doing? Stop it. Katie, calm down. Let her go. Megan, turn off. Are you sure? Should we should we uh, memorialize this moment by singing Titanium? <laughs> oh. No, that's what we did to play at the end. Just have that as our fan out is is titanium. (laughs) Such a good time. And I'm so excited to talk about this movie. So first off, it was directed by Gerard Johnstone. And it stars our favorite girl, Allison Williams, who you might have seen in a little movie called Get Out, you know. Just a little side indie film, uh, if you will. And then we have Jenna Davis, who was the voice of Megan, and our cute little Violet McGraw, which you might have seen in, what, The Haunting of Hill House? Mm-hmm. Little cutesy girl. So the screenplay was written by Akella Cooper, and the story was created by Cooper and James Wan, and this is out of uh, Bloom House, and James Wan was also a producer on this, which it all, that in itself makes sense of how this movie was created and came about because the mind of James Wan is so great, and we also stand him on this podcast. So obviously heavy spoilers. If you have not seen Megan, what are you doing? It's been out for a long time now. (laughs) Go to the theaters, go see it, and then come back and listen to us. Now, Jamie, tell us what those trigger warnings are. Um, uh, I mean, if you don't like robots, I'm going (laughs) to tell you that this is definitely not Not for you. you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But also like grief and like trauma Um, Mm -hmm. take center stage. So if that's, you know, too much reality in your escape from reality, you can steer clear of this one. Um, But obviously, uh, there are some some ripping of body parts. There are some... Mm, (laughs) Some stretchy body parts. Some stretchy 
Um, there is a reference to an animal being killed, um, mm. which was upsetting. We did also see the foot of a child after he was killed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, there's a child that dies. So like that's, yes, that's definitely a trigger warning. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So there, there's not like a ton of insides on the outside. Um, cause I think that this is PG 13. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's enough. There's enough to elude that there's insides on the outside. For sure. It's good enough. Just just enough gore just and enough. blood for the PG-13s. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, before we get into everything, Producer Brian, yes. can you please give us some words? Sure. Hey, everybody. Hi, YouTube. You can find us on YouTube. This is where we also are. Um, yeah, I hope you... I'm looking forward to talking about our girl, Meg. And uh, But if you want to find out all about other movies we've done, you can absolutely check us out wherever you get podcasts. Uh, and then, of course, for any movies we don't cover, we're covering on TikTok and Instagram. as, And you can follow us on Twitter as well. That's all at Talk Horror pod uh we are getting close to 10k followers on tiktok so definitely seek us out there follow us there again we do all different types of reviews and lists and fun stuff there that's uh goes along well with our podcast so check it out yeah fantastical so did you guys watch anything new in preparation for Megan? Is there any new trailers that you To watch? prepare. <laughs> to nothing, prepare. Nikisha, nothing could have prepared us. The only thing that prepared us was the Megan trailer. Mm, absolutely. Um, absolutely fair. I've watched it. There have been a ton of new uh, trailers, and absolutely, there have been a yeah. ton of new things to actually watch. And uh, um, we, we watched a couple of things. We... Um, the trailers we watched were uh, – I watched the trailer for Sick, the new Kevin Williamson movie who um, wrote Scream. Mm. That's coming out on Peacock mm. this month about um, these friends who quarantine at a um, – just qu- are quarantining at a house and then, you know, th- you know, slasher movie, things start to go wrong there. I also watched the trailer for Snow Falls. Um, which is about friends who go to a cabin, uh, an isolated cabin for like New Year's and then they don't have service and then there's a storm coming in the technology and the, um, the, uh, the power goes out and it's, se- I don't know, it's just a trailer, um, but it seems like it's very, uh, uh, cabin fevery. So I'm not sure if it's them going insane uh, yeah. or if it's like somebody's like there's a demon or someone's like the trailer is very vague about what's actually happening, which is super cool. I'm, I'm very into that. Um, I saw that trailer. Um, and then we saw two of the amazing Evil Dead Rise trailers. Yes. So good. So I excited. I just want to say um, I, when I went to the movies to watch Megan, I was so upset because there was something going on with the film to where some of the trailers were distorted and one of it was the evil dead trailer. And so eventually they had to, you know, stop the the movie for a second and fix some things before fix Mm. some coding things before they actually play the movie. So that wouldn't happen during the movie. But I was just so upset because I knew it was the evil dead trailer and I was waiting Mm. to like watch it in the theater (laughs) and then it was all distorted and I could just hear sounds and it was disappointing. Uh, Have you watched it? YouTube and watch it on YouTube. Yeah. No, I need to go back. Oh, oh man. Yeah. I, I also did like a, a part of me because I've never watched the evil deads and we're going to go through it on the, oh, on the podcast. True. Um, 
Mm. I, I don't want to know anything about it because I want to go in completely, completely, completely blind. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm into that. But, yeah. We'll see. Well, Jamie <laughs> lost her mind. She was so excited. Like, I watched the goosebumps, like, crawl up her arm. Oh, it's so, so excited. It yes. just looks so fun. I just can't wait. I just can't wait. Yeah. Is it more, the, the whole series, is it more on the campy side or is it, like very okay, so it's very campy. Yeah. Jamie is saying, yeah, yes, that's it's the vibe. pretty campy. I mean, like okay. the, yeah, it it gets progressively campier, but it still definitely okay. is like horror. Okay, it has its it has like spooky moments and like unsettling moments for sure. Okay, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I'm excited well, for those. And then we also watched the missing trailer, which is from the same people mm. who did um, searching. Searching. Yeah. That was a great movie. I'm super excited for this one. It looks really fun. The trailer seems like it reveals a lot more than it probably should have, but, like, whatever. Mm. Uh, Is that streaming? Well, yeah. Is that streaming or a movie uh, theater's release? I don't know. For Missing. I don't know. I think it's a movie release. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Um, What else did we do? Um, This month, Skinamarink comes out on Shudder. Um... That's something to check out. I watched it. Um, it's super avant-garde. Um, mm. So, like, it's really about tone. It doesn't necessarily have a narrative. It's kind, It kind of feels like a background thing or just, like, like, like you're, you're tucked into your couch, like, ready to watch, like, an hour and 40 minutes of just, like, weird avant-garde horror. Um, it feels like yeah. something you'd put on in the background at a Halloween party, to be totally honest. Um, oh, okay. But it's weird. If you're into that, just know what you're getting into. Um, and then the other thing that we watched is we watched, uh, Jamie and I watched The Menu. Nice. Uh, but we'll be covering that this month on this podcast. Uh, yes. Spoiler alert, I loved it. <laughs> a lot of people that I've talked to who've watched it have uh, loved it. I'm going to watch it next week. Uh, mm. But everyone who said that they saw it had great things to say. So I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. Yeah. And then uh, to Jamie's surprise, um, I watched the original Resident Evil movie for the very first time. I've never seen nice. any of the Resident Evil movies. Yes. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? It is. my mind. <laughs> yeah. No, I did not. Um, uh, I think that I don't have nostalgia for it. I didn't play the video games. I thought it was a deeply mediocre, like horror (laughs) action movie where I can understand why people love Mila Jovovich coming out of this because she's super cool and badass. And I'm sure she gets more and more badass as all six of these movies continue on. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was super background mediocre. Not for me. Also, what I learned is that. This came out in March of twenty twenty uh, of two thousand and two, and in June of two thousand and two, twenty eight days later came out. So you got these two mm. fast zombie movies coming out in the same year, and totally different. But we also have two very different like memories of them. Whereas one is like one of the all time greats. Also, some people are have you know. Don't consider Twenty Eight Days Later a zombie movie because whatever for whatever reason because it's a yeah. it's an artificial virus or whatever so like that's fine, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah and then the other one is like 
totally like the Resident Evil is just like thirty five percent of Rotten Tomatoes, like campy, like like mm-hmm. like fine. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, that was the, yeah I'd never seen but a that Resident laser Evil movie scene. Before. That's the one thing I remember from it. Totally, one hundred percent. Also, the, the intro is I, I like the intro. Um, where like everything first starts with like mm-hmm. the scientists are oh, working and then, yes. and then like everything shuts down and everything like shit hits the fan. Like I yeah. feel like the, the stage that they set is, is really good. And then, yeah. you know, and then whatever happens. But in the <laughs> yeah. opening sequence of Resident Evil, I was deeply distracted because one of the women in it, I was like, where do I know her from? And it's <laughs> the secretary from Love Actually. A movie I've never seen, guys. Oh. Wait, you've never seen Love Actually? No. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I, I am fascinated to hear your opinion on it if you're watching it now with, like, no real nostalgia for it. Yeah, I just know that people like it. And what is it, like, four different couples or something that's the, that they follow? But it's like, I don't remember. I think it's way more than that. I think oh, it's yeah. like, well, yeah. That's the extent oh, of it. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love that you've never seen it. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna be the same as um, God, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. I was literally about to say Grey's Anatomy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty Shades no. of Grey, where it's just progressively F- worse. <laughs> no, Fifty Shades of Grey is it, Love. Actually, is a masterpiece compared to Fifty Shades of Grey, so you don't right. have to worry about that. Okay, but I, it's Love. Actually, is a movie I love and hate at the same exact time. Yeah, fair. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, and then I also watched the Banshees of Inisherin. Where's that? Which, that's on HBO Max. It's the uh, mm. it's the new Martin McDonough movie with uh, my best friend in the whole wide world, the greatest actor of our time, Colin Farrell, um, and <laughs> Brendan Gleeson is in it as well. Um, mm. It's really really great. If it's not it's not horror, but it's definitely uh, dark. Nice. Yeah. Y- y'all watched a lot of stuff. <laughs> Is yes. that what you Brian? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, just yes. Yes. <laughs> Brian's like, I'm beating my record for the amount of movies oh that God. I watched in 2022. So 2023, yeah. well, like, here we I, go. <laughs> I did watch Skinamarink last year, technically, but it does come out. So I haven't talked about it, like, a lot. Um, I'll put up a TikTok at some point. If I didn't already, I don't even remember. And then the <laughs> second thing, oh, I'm also halfway through The Pale Blue Eye, the new Netflix movie. Um, like, it's a gothic, macabre murder mystery starring Christian Bale. Um oh. Uh, where he teams with Edgar Allan Poe in his youth um, at the West Point Military Academy to solve uh, a murder. Um, I'm halfway through. I'm really enjoying it. I think my overall feeling of this movie is going to depend on how um, the murder mystery ends, to be totally honest. Oh, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It's not horror per se, but it definitely has that gothic, like, creepy, there's some occult in it. Um, So it's that kind of a movie, not necessarily like, oh, no, you know what I mean? Mm. One more time. Oh, no. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Well, speaking of oh, no's, oh, no, no, no's. <laughs> Let's get into this plot summary of Megan. What's the plot? <laughs> Who's up, guys? We're going to do a two-minute plot summary of this movie. I- I'm happy to, to to appease my girl, Megan. Yes. <laughs> Model I'm, three. 
I'm yeah. Our model three, um, you know, I, I hope they make prequels of model one and two, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we will see. But yeah, let's get into the plot. Uh, who's gonna time me? I think I shall. Jamie. I was right. like not gonna say anything. And I was like, oh right, podcast, not a visual podcast. Right, yeah. yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All, right, All right. So I have two minutes on the clock for you. Okay. Are you ready to tell us about Megan? Yes. All right, and go. So we have our little girl who is on a ski trip with her family, and they all get into a terrible snow plow accident, and her parents die. So she is given uh, guardianship-wise to her aunt, who is played by um, Allison Williams. Um, Allison Williams, who probably needs to be talked about in horror actresses conversation now at this point. Um, but she is a workaholic robotics person for a toy company. Um, and she is a total, total, utter workaholic. She is not like, doesn't have a kid friendly house. And she's also going through grief for the loss of her sister. So she just like, is totally lost when it comes to raising this kid. But she has a project at work called Megan, which is a new AI doll that essentially is going to like revolutionize the toy world where it's going to really interact with your kid. It's going to t- help take care of them. It's go- It's the last toy that you need. Um, and it's an AI that just keeps learning and it, it basically pairs and syncs with the kid. So she uses the beta test on the uh, niece um, and they become very attached. And basically, Megan starts to take her parenting duties, her protective duties a little bit too seriously. And anything that looks wrong with the little girl or makes the little girl feel the wrong way, um, she uh, she disposes of, if you will. Um, and so people end up realizing that this there's a big, big, big pitch to the world to show what's next with Megan uh, with the toy company. And then Megan just kind of goes ballistic and starts like, killing people and like on a rampage to protect um, the niece. They get into a huge fight at the end. They defeat Megan through other robotics and screwdrivers and things of that nature. And then we find out that the, um, uh, that Megan has actually transferred her consciousness into like their Alexa AI. Um, and that's where the movie ends. Bah, 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 Megan. <laughs> oh, she also sings Titanium. She's a musical. She's a musical doll. Yes. <laughs> And that's the plot. A little musical prodigy. What a voice. What a beautiful voice. What a voice. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Great summary, Brian. So I just I just love her, you know? I mean, she's what's not to love, you know? She does all the (laughs) great question. (laughs) So let's get into it, talking about things we love about her in our section of likes and gripes. And now our likes and gripes. So I'll go first because there's not much that I, I need to say because 10 out of what 10 would recommend. What do you mean not much? <laughs> well, you should be talking so for three good. hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the three stands for how long this podcast is going to be about our girl, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Just out the gate, the minute I loved that they opened it with the commercial of the fake yes. Furbies. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, invested immediately. Oh, they're, they're, they're called, I wrote it down, perpetual pets. <laughs> oh, yeah. But and I, and I loved how they marketed it as 
your actual pet is going to die. So why put yourself through that trauma? Get this perpetual pet and it will live forever. And I love that the actual pet was so much on the creepy side, especially with the teeth and everything. And it just absolutely reminded me of Furbies, which I absolutely had one when uh, I was little. And But I, I would say that the Furbies were not as scary as this perpetual pet. I don't think sure. I would have had that as a child. That would have scared me to death. I was already scared <laughs> of my uh, porcelain dolls because my sister made me watch Chucky when I was little. So I couldn't have mm. a perpetual pet. Uh, you didn't want it pooping in the back seat. Oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. <laughs> and then it reminded me of what the Cabbage Patch dolls that you can feed. Yes. Stuff that ate your hair. That ate your hair and would rip little yes. girl scalps off. Yes. yes. And got recalled. I had one of those too, but they would eat the little things, but it would come out in their backpack. So it wasn't technically poop, but. Oh, would, like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, my so sister, can. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> All this movie just gave me like nostalgia for 90s toys. Uh, mm-hmm. which if you're ever in, um, Detroit, there is, I might be getting, I'm getting all my cities confused. It's either Detroit or Rochester, which are two very different places, but there <laughs> is a place that, um, has this entire museum of toys starting from when they first created dolls and such, um, like oh, in the wow. early 1900s. And then it goes through all of like the Nintendo phases and then it has, and, mm. and so it's like. Part museum, part interactive thing, and it was just a really, really cool place. So I, I hate that I can't tell you exactly what city it's in, but if you ever find yourself in either <laughs> Rochester or Detroit, there's a place, there's a museum. It's called the Museum of Play. That is the name. So look up Museum of Play. Sorry, and then you can tell hmm. me where, where it was at. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was just a side note. It's uh, in Rochester. Okay, it's the great. Strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York. Yes, that, that is it. Whew. Thank you. And uh, Yeah. It was just back to back when we went to those cities. But I just remember, if you are in Rochester, go to the Museum of Play. You will have the best time of your life. Uh, so anyway, I love the fact that the concept of this uh, toy is that it is supposed to kind of replace parents. And I'm happy that they say that kind of early on. And then Allison Williams' character is still like, well, no, this is going to be great. And then I put, Wait, Nikisha, I'm sorry. <laughs> what's Allison Williams' character like? No, no, it's going to be great. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's how it felt like she was the whole time, which was a little annoying. But I understand where she was coming from because if somebody gave me a child, and right now I would absolutely be like, oh, how how can I have somebody else help? Because this is a lot. Uh, I put girl, you didn't put in parental controls. And that's like the first thing of like people, not peopling or thinking about it. Like she was just so concerned about getting the doll being functional that you got to put in, that's the first thing you do, install all the backups, backups on backups on backups. Uh, So, but that's just a a side note, not a necessary gripe, but a like people, you're not peopling right now. You got to think about this stuff. We already mentioned it. I love Megan uh, singing to Katie that first song about her being there for her. Oh, my (laughs) God. Oh, my God. Because in that moment, you're feeling so many things because you're feeling the pity for... What's her name? Katie is the niece name. Mm -hmm. And 
and and then Megan just comes and starts singing out of nowhere. And so it is hilarious in that moment. And so it's like just the right amount of camp. And they place it in such a great way to where it's not too out of box, but just enough to be like, oh, this is really hilarious, but also really sweet at the same time. And I'm just here for everything that's happening. I really enjoyed the CGI and the prosthetics on Megan and the actors. Even though there was some um, moments that seemed a little kind of wonky and glitchy, but I didn't mind it because the overall aesthetic is still campy anyway. So everything doesn't need to be like Avatar mm-hmm. level CGI, you know? Totally. Did you see the new Avatar movie? I haven't. We're, we're all supposed to be going on Monday to oh, go okay. and, and see it. Cool. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Anyway, back to Megan. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> Uh, I loved when they were outside in the school, which are there schools that are like that where it's like, we're going to go outside and do the things because I think that's a great idea, especially because kids don't get out as much anyway because of technology. That's just the thing that I loved where the the school that she got put into. But I loved how the mother of the troubled boy said, yeah, behavioral issues are linked to high IQs. And I was like, okay, girl, (laughs) your son is just um, a terrible human being and you need to accept that. Uh, I put titanium and uh, laughing emojis all the way through it because fantastic. My favorite kill was in the woods, but my Mm. biggest gripe, and it's not a huge thing. It didn't take me out of the movie, but I feel like a lot of the best parts were already put in the trailer. And so watching Mm. the movie, I did want a little bit more, but I will say, even though they showed that um, wood moment in the trailer where she's like getting up uh folding herself up off of the sure. ground it still was a great moment that i loved even mm-hmm. though i saw it before but in the context it just made it even more better um i absolutely need there to be a megan versus chucky movie and i really really hope that the twitter <laughs> Uh, exchange that they have had will lead to this because yeah. there's a Chucky movie happening, so he's still relevant. He's still oh, the TV show? About. Yeah, the TV show is still happening. Yeah. So I feel like it would absolutely make sense to have a moment, a universe, where Megan and Chucky are together. And I think that that would be like the best thing for them especially since like brian said it ends with like a little bit of a cliffhanger so we know megan mm-hmm. is still alive in in a way and so i really <laughs> hope that there is a second movie <laughs> uh and yeah also ten thousand dollars for a megan doll who who is spending that money for for that doll i i don't know my favorite line though in this entire movie is in this family we don't run from trauma great line oh. <laughs> favorite line and the last thing I'll say is a, a like and a gripe because this movie is exactly what I expected it to be. Nothing mm-hmm. more and nothing less. So the way that it's a little bit of a gripe is that if there, I would have loved to have seen more and gotten more from it, but what I got was not disappointing. Sure. So I, I loved everything about this. You go into it knowing exactly like this is going to be a killer doll movie and it delivers a excellent, excellent killer doll movie. So I'm excited for, for them to hopefully continue on in this chain of Megan's. So that's my lights and gripes. Who wants to go next? Jamie, go for I it. Go. Um, I agree pretty much with everything that you said. Um, I I knew exactly what I was getting out of this movie. 
and I had the exact right expectations to go into it. And I laughed throughout the whole thing and it was a grand time. Um, I, I just had so much fun and it makes me think about like all of these other horror movies that I've seen in the past that I feel like just take themselves so seriously with like, you know, the, the sci-fi elements of the story that it's like, there has to be some, like, it's, it's treating the audience in a way where it's like, we're in on the joke. And that makes Mm -hmm. it more fun versus other situations where it's like, I just can't like, this is just so far fetched and you're all treating it so like real that Mm -hmm. I just can't get with it. And like, it's just, then it becomes not as, as entertaining. Um, And this, I think really, it set expectations really well with the previews and then you and then it delivered on it ultimately like even Mm -hmm. with all of the reveals in the trailer that we got I still had a really fun time I still knew that like people were you know gonna get murdered by this little doll in the most ridiculous of ways and and I still laughed and I still enjoyed myself um so that was really great um I guess in terms of a gripe as the resident therapist of this podcast, <laughs> there is there is a therapist in this film, a, a child therapist, and I I really like was cringing in my seat at her first interaction because it's mm-hmm. like I'm just we're not all bad. Like movies <laughs> make us look like garbage people, and like I don't yeah. think I'm a garbage person. You Never. guys can you guys can set the record straight that I'm not a garbage person. Like not a garbage person would not have married garbage. I'm not exactly. married to Oscar, like the Grouch or anything like that. <clears throat> Stamp I, of approval, not a garbage person. Right. I just like the the interaction of like the complete lack of empathy around both of these both the adult and child in this situation just experience like tragic unexpected loss and there's like no compassion there and like mm-hmm. it just doesn't the things that she's like looking for like yes i i understand what her role is is to it, it's it seems like there's temporary custody that um that Allison Williams character Gemma has and so this court appointed child therapist is here to like assess Katie and make sure that the the guardianship is going well. But right. like her expectations of like, you know, I I mean, I certainly don't know what what you're supposed to do when you like first have a a young child that like yeah. you weren't preparing to have in your home. And like there's just no understanding of like what is involved both as the the person who I'm assuming has to like deal with all of the, you know, like funeral expenses and like all of that stuff. Like it mm-hmm. seems like Gemma's like the the point person for all of this. And then on top of that is also now the caregiver for a child. And like there's just so much adjusting that needs to happen and there's no flexibility here. And like right. that that really pissed me off and and I can't speak from any like real experience of of neither being a court appointed therapist nor having experienced that loss where I then am responsible for a child. But I mean, I've been in like adjacent fields of like child welfare 
and like, Mm. you know, adoption and foster care where there is an understanding of like assessing for fit and making sure that like the child is, you know, being properly taken care of. But I just don't think that there's any like there was no understanding of the grieving process, both yeah. for the child and the adult that was like at play, at least in that first interaction where yes. I was like, they're also, they're designing this therapist for you to like hate her and and dislike her character, which annoyed me in the beginning. And then she kind of is a little bit better later on. Like, I feel like she has more redeeming qualities where she's like understand more understanding of like what's, happening and that's where she gets into the conversation about like attachment theory which I also appreciated because like that's real and that's that's like grounded and like the the things that she's explaining to Gemma about you know trying to just completely ignore dealing with the grief is going to have a lot of really negative consequences and the Mm -hmm. type of relationship that they have which is like super enmeshed like you know, Katie can't do anything without Megan. She becomes like so codependent on her that that she can't form any other healthy attachments with other people around her, adults and children. Like all of that is super sound. So I'm yep. like, why did they have to start with this therapist being like such a such a bitch for no reason and like not grounded in any like theoretical mm-hmm. anything? So yeah. That's my, that's like my biggest gripe with this. And again, they like pivot later, which I appreciate, but I'm like, why start off like that? It's just like coming in hot. Um, So that was annoying. And then within that scene, I also was like so upset when uh, she's like, oh, do you like, can you play with these toys? And Katie's like, they're not toys, they're collectibles. And Gemma's like, no, it's fine. And then like, Ugh, stabs that box and like, ugh, mm-hmm. it like made me want to throw up. And I'm not like a a collector by any means, but like I just felt so bad. It's just like that being a represent a representation of like her life has now fundamentally changed and like the way like her lifestyle and everything and like just you know right to the core, yeah. <laughs> get right at it. And like I thought that was, I mean, it was upsetting, but I I thought that that was like a really great representation of just like, well, you know, whatever you thought your life was before, now it's going to be completely different. So get ready for mm-hmm. that. Um, but uh, yeah, well, I, just, I just, I just want to say oh, as sorry. someone who is a collector of things, that was the, that was the scariest part of the movie. Her like <laughs> oh, thinking no. she needed to open up her collector's item and then like play yeah. with it wrong was truly a horrifying thing for me to watch. And the scariest thing of this movie for me. I do hate um, though that that ugh. when you just play with things like wrong. I really was wanting her to like show us exactly how this thing was supposed <laughs> to be handled. Yeah, but it, wasn't. it was just funny. Anyway, sorry. No, I I think that that's fair too because like why? Ugh, it just makes me mad again because like she's talking about attachment, but then she's not allowing her to actually like form her own authentic, genuine attachment right. by preventing her from like doing that. And it's right. not that she's like no you're doing it wrong. It's just like, oh, like, let me show you something. And then that could be an opportunity for them to grow closer and bond. And the therapist is actually preventing that from happening, which is insane. So like, that's again, it's like the whole interaction is just so weird and like out of Mm -hmm. character for what I, I feel like a child therapist should be like attuned to do. And, and she's just like interfering too much. Her job is observing. It's not interfering. She's like way too like 
oh, you should, oh, <laughs> like her eyes, her language, like all of that. I'm like, just pull back. Like you shouldn't be involved. Your your role is observing. Like exactly. be a fly so, on the wall. Jamie, my question for you is, does this therapist enter into the um, bad horror movie therapist <laughs> hall of fame? Because- <laughs> She's poorly presented, but then she like is a totally different therapist in the second <laughs> half of this movie. I'm wondering. That's a great I'm, point. I'm actually because so fun fact about this movie. This movie did reshoots and was re-edited to make it PG-13. So they took out some of the gore mm. and they added a little bit more like tension and and certain other probably added a little bit more comedy or things like that to it to like lean into it. I don't actually know the answer to that. However, I'm wondering. If that attachment scene or something like that was like a reshoot to to and and during those reshoots they made the therapist a little bit more um, uh, empathetic or better. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm literally making this up, but it just feels like two very different characters. Mm-hmm. Like it, so, I guess based on that like split personality, if you will, does this therapist enter into the talking horror bad therapist Hall of Fame? <laughs> I think that she is potentially an honorable mention because mm. I think she, that the, she's always on the ballot, but never gets in. <laughs> <laughs> I think that she, she starts off like she's on that list, but then she really does shift. And I think, but again, it's almost, yeah, the way she's acting doesn't make sense because like, it's clear that she doesn't have the, the like, not the underlying knowledge base to know how mm-hmm. to appropriately deal mm. with the situation. But then she like dumps all of this info later on that explains what's going on. So it's like she does know, but the way she's like acting does not align with like the supposed information that she knows. Um, but I do think it's helpful information at least for Allison Williams character to then take and be like, okay, I need to take what this, do- what this therapist is saying to heart and like, this then informs her in how she's supposed to act with her niece moving forward. Like, I think that that information does serve her and their relationship where it's like, no, you, you have to experience this grief. You have to process it. You can't compartmentalize it because then it's just going to be this big, big trauma that is never resolved. Um, So I, I think that that, information that is imparted then Mm. slightly moves her just outside of worst. That's fair. Wow. I don't know if we've ever had that before. Like, like someone actually digging themselves out of a hole in the, in the movie. You can be redeemed. Wow. I'm, I'm saying it right now. Most of it, I mean, but most of the time they're not because like, they're all just one note, bad, always bad, forever bad. Love it. (laughs) Too funny. Do you have someone Um, likes and gripes, Jamie? Oh, I do like, I like how they brought in like this stuff from the beginning back at the end with Bob. Um, and like how, mm-hmm. the, how he plays a role also like, here's like, okay, this is where the, the CPU chip is. And like that coming in at the end oh, with yeah, like yeah, knowing for sure. how the killer, like, I, I like that, the, like these things kind of come full circle. Um, I appreciated that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, overall, I like a movie where it shows, you know, where technology as helpful as it can be, how our, our intentions of something being helpful can then take a turn uh, because of other implications that we're not necessarily thinking of. Like she was so tunnel vision with her project and also her own personal inability to like take on this role and that that Mm -hmm. infuses into the thing that she's working on, which like the intention 
isn't necessarily bad, but because she can't deal with her own stuff, it ends up all going wrong. So I did, I, I liked that overall. And that's, that's it. Nice. Great. Brian? Oh boy. I had a blast <laughs> watching this movie, but we also had a blast watching this movie in the theater that we watched in because everyone Fair. in the theater was in on it. It was a Thursday night. People who go on a Thursday night absolutely want to be there. And that's what I like going the most. Not just like, what movie should we see? I guess we'll see Megan on a Saturday night. Like, Thursday night are the people that want to be there. Whether it is a horror movie, whether it is a Marvel movie, whether it is, you know, Avatar or whatever the case is. But this audience was so in tune with what the movie was throwing at us, we were all belly laughing. I don't remember the last time we belly laughed at a movie on purpose. Like, it was there as a pure horror comedy, and I, I was, the whole audience was there for it. Everyone in the audience was rooting for the camp. Like, we, we weren't, like, I feel like you go to movies and people roll their eyes. Like, oh, mm. this is the type of movie I'm into. But, like, we all were there because the trailer was what the trailer was. But also, that opening sequence that went – that combined kind of the the campy, silly, hilarious commercial – that goes right into the death of the parents sets up the tone for this movie perfectly. You have that comedy and then you have that like kind of like pretty intense sequence that involves the toy. Um, So I really liked how this movie started a lot. I thought this movie was super fun. Um, I really, 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 this is my PSA. I really, really, really need everybody to go to the movies to give money to give money to Universal and Blumhouse. I need you to do this because I need a Megan too. I need a Megan too fast, too furious. Like I need Megan. <laughs> I need Megan to join because like, it, but it's also making a ton of money. This, the, it's opening weekend. So like, I'm not concerned, but I, I want to make it too. Yeah. I think that, you know, you had a lot of, you know, you had a lot of tropey characters. You had the goofy, money-hungry boss who would do anything to please his bosses and the board. You know, you have the workaholic guardian character who doesn't know what to do with kids. And then you have, like, the sad kid. Like, oh, I just need, you know, like, but for some reason, it, it even though it was campy, it, there were moments where it felt weirdly grounded. And I was, like, yes. really impressed with that in a weird way. Um I think that the standout sequence in this movie is the presentation for the board where Katie starts crying and then Megan is like showing what Megan can do. And then and then it undercuts itself with the song where everyone's laughing, like in a good way. And I absolutely yes. thought that that was a wonderful scene that was not revealed in the trailers. Um, I loved the sequences in this that weren't revealed in the trailers. Most of the music stuff outside of the dancing, like the, the actual like grief aspect of this movie even though it doesn't get into it like too deeply it's definitely like there you know the movie very handy handed about what it's trying to say about parenting and screen time and technology and grief and attachment yeah. and, and 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 it's not trying to be anything more than that but i always appreciate that um, <clears throat> um can i just add add to that i love yeah. that you mentioned that sequence and how it undercuts to make it campy because when they shoot to one of the board members like crying profusely, yes. but in like a funny way, you're like, yeah. okay, you know, it, 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 
in that moment, like you said, it's like we are not taking ourselves too seriously. And here are the moments where you can laugh at what is it's happening. So yeah, yes. sorry, keep going. No, no, absolutely. And and to that effect, this movie knew exactly what it was. This movie delivered exactly what it needed to deliver. And it did not like Jamie and I talked in the escalator coming out of the movie theater, like it, this movie delivered perfectly, and she mentioned it earlier mm-hmm. in terms of like this did not exceed expectations. The only thing that this movie exceeded was that it included Sia, and I love Sia. Um, that's it. Um, but uh, <laughs> another favorite of mine was the cop who's who's giggles like, oh, maybe I shouldn't laugh at a dead kid. Amazing. Um, and I love that the I love that Allison Williams was like smart in the cop. Like, are you insinuating something? He's like, no, just like I don't know. You've just been around a lot. <laughs> just like I just found that very funny and campy. Yeah. I also like that this didn't. I feel like a lot of movies like this in the middle become like a a whodunit, like Smile whodunit, or like mm. well, Smile's more of like how do we stop the curse? But like there are movies that are more like whodunits, and like but even though the audience knows they are trying to figure it out, this movie never tries to pretend to be that with a cop or anything like that. So I really appreciated that. Um, I think that this, uh, what would be very interesting for me, and this movie shouldn't have dealt with it and it didn't, is 10K for a doll is a lot. So that actually brings into a lot of socioeconomic um, things about who would purchase Megan and why they would purchase Megan. And I'm actually interested in like exploring that maybe in a sequel or something like that. Um, But for right now, that was totally fine in this one. Okay, my dislikes or my gripes. Um, I agree with Nikisha. For me, the trailer, I'm I'm 50-50 on the trailer now. The trailer was amazing and was meme-tastic and got us all excited for this campy romp. And the movie was funny and I belly laughed and it was super fun. But I do feel like the trailer showed so much that like... I was the movie was even more predictable and I knew what I was getting from it. So like do I think it would have made as much money if they didn't do that huge marketing and actually showed the tone of the movie? No. I don't think we get the Megan we got without that trailer and the popularity of it. But also yeah. like I wanted more of a dance sequence. I thought the trailer was only showing like a percent of the dance sequence in the hallway, but that's actually the whole thing. And this is just a me being hypercritical and it did none of this took away from my enjoyment of this movie. It did not at all. Um, this movie was wildly predictable. Everything that they did mention in the beginning, like you just kind of knew was going to come back in the end, whether it was Bruce, her college robot, like with the gloves, like you knew that was going to happen. <clears throat> Something I did like at the end, though, is that in terms of like severing the attachment for Katie to sever the attachment, she actually had to physically defeat Megan. And that was like symbolic of like her detaching from Megan and reattaching to her aunt. And I I appreciated that. Um, um, So those are my kind of three gripes about this movie um, in general, but I have my two favorite quotes. Yeah. My, and again, these these are paraphrased just based on me trying to remember them because I don't take notes when I'm in the movie theater. Um, when the boss says, you're going to watch us kick Hasbro in the dick. Yes. <laughs> and then the oh, best fun. line in this whole movie, without a doubt, is reminiscent of one of my favorites, the Monster Squad, when Megan at the end is holding up Katie and... T- 
tells her, you ungrateful bitch. Uh, <gasps> that was yes. wild and wonderful. This movie was so much fun. I would see this again. I would, like, with a new audience, you know what I mean? Just, like, experiencing it for the first time. Um, I'm very much hoping that this makes enough money to justify a sequel. Um, and, uh, yeah, those are, my, uh, those are my likes and gripes for our girl, Megan. Fantastic. Yeah, it's just you, when you get the tone correct, it just makes all of the difference for sure. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely agree with you, Brian, about um, we would not have gotten the Megan that we got if it was not for everything that happened on TikTok uh, sure. with her, for sure. So, I mean, I think whoever is the publicity person for Megan, <laughs> like, give them all the monies, give them all of the raises because that put butts in the theaters regardless, yeah. you know, and that's where the money is, regardless of whoever liked it or not, like butts were in the theaters because they wanted to see what, what she was all about. Also fantastic. Yeah. Also just one last thing. This came out Mm -hmm. January 6th. Like we saw it on January 5th. Like, this is the first like horror movie of the year. One, what a fun way to start off the year, especially after an incredible yeah. 2022. But also, it also this was on all of our most anticipated lists, and it paid off. What a good omen—not yes. n- a Damien omen, but a good omen for the rest of the year. One, well, that's two maybe, and then three. Um, I all I can say is that like a January, a slow January, which usually are where people feel like they throw bad movies. To release this, like when there isn't a ton of um, competition, is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Really, the only competition it has the opening weekend was the Avatar movie, and that was always going to like make money over the course of many weeks. So this is an amazing counter, um, like um, option for people, and like all for it. It was just like everything about how this movie was trailer and released and when and how just like gave it the best opportunity to succeed, which is beneficial for us because we were looking forward to this bad boy or excuse me, this bad girl. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Well, with that, let's get into our next section. Mm, Brains. of Megan's brains splattered all on the floor. Well, actually, no, they took the screwdriver to it, yeah? Oh, Jamie, you're muted. Oh. Oops. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Did not compute. <laughs> Technology, man. I was saying Super her chip, hard. her, like, CPU thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grand, so, Jamie, I love that you already have talked about some of the things that I wanted to discuss on here, which is Grand. So you've already talked about the therapist. That was almost borderline parlor talk, which was fantastic because y'all know I love a Jamie rant about a therapist. It, 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 was, it was an honor, like, just like the therapist, it was an honorable <laughs> mention parlor talk. So we, you don't get the sound, but we can recognize mm. it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, so I will skip that question because you've already answered it. And you t- already talked about attachment theory, but I want to attack on to that and mm-hmm. ask you. Would you say you wanted to attach more onto that attachment theory <laughs> conversation? Oh, Does double attachment theory cancel attachment theory out? We'll never know. <laughs> that was fantastic. <sighs> Absolutely. <laughs> so attaching attachment theory. Um, let's talk about... How do you, how can someone process getting out of an attachment style? And can you, and you already said attachment theory is a real term. So mm-hmm. 
Can you just yeah. give us that definition again of attachment theory and just talk about how can someone process getting out of an attachment style? Yeah. So <clears throat> attachment is basically like the idea of the bonds that are formed between a child and their caregiver. And mm -hmm. the idea is like the way in which they relate to one another, their relationship informs, you know, like early life, but also adulthood. And mm -hmm. the, the, the relationships we had with our parents are often very similar ways that we are like seeking out relationships as adults. Um, so there's four different types of attachment styles. Um, there's a secure attachment, which is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the one where like a child, a, a child and adult like feels secure in their attachments with others as well as like in themselves. And they, um, <clears throat> like, I don't know, have, uh, they're, they're able to like access support from a caregiver as well as any other like person in their life and, uh, and feels supported by them. They're not, mm -hmm. they're not fearful, um, to seek out that support. Then you have like anxious attachment, avoidant attachment and disorganized attachment. Yeah. So anxious attachment is, uh, you know, somebody who displays like anxious behavior when they're, when their caregiver is not there or is afraid of that separation. Avoidant attachment is someone who, um, you know, like is, is, seems pretty resistant to that attachment, um, and will like avoid those or yeah, like create space between them and, and other, uh, relationships in their life. And then disorganized is like kind of ambivalent. It's, it's a little bit all over the place. Um, that sometimes can be the result of a childhood trauma, um, where it's, it's like ambivalence towards that caregiver. Sometimes it's like more secure. Sometimes it's more anxious. Sometimes it's avoidant. So it can really, mm. you know, encompass everything. Um, so essentially while these, attachment styles can then like inform our adult relationships. It doesn't necessarily mean that like we're stuck with those attachment styles. Forever. Yeah. Fair. There's a lot, there's a lot of like, like this plays a really big role in, in, I would say like child therapy, but it does, there's a lot of therapists who, um, have a lot of training in attachment theory and like use that to inform their work. Um, to help people understand what their relationships look like as children and how they can, um, you know, work on work on themselves in the present so that they can have relationships that better serve them. I don't not want to necessarily say like healthy versus unhealthy because I don't think that it's fair to say that like somebody with an with an anxious attachment style can't have a healthy relationship. Right. Um, but I think it's more of like you know, are there things that that you might be doing that like aren't serving you or like are hurting your yeah. relationships and like how does having awareness into how you are going about, um, you know, having a relationship with someone, how that might be creating tension or conflict for yourself, for the relationship, blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, figuring out what type of attachment style you have is like one way to, to kind of start the process of like, how can you work on this? Um, again, therapy, I'm always going to recommend therapy for any and always. all things. <laughs> yes. um, but I think it's, uh, you know, like talking through with, if someone has an anxious attachment style, like 
how you build your own confidence in the relationship, even if you're not physically together? How do you like build um, a sense of security in that relationship um, without needing to always be reassured um, mm, that like mm-hmm. that the relationship itself, you know, is solid and strong? And like, what are the other things that you can kind of like reflect on that that make you feel more comfortable and confident in that relationship? Um, yeah. For like a, an avoidant uh, attachment style, um, you know, like what is it, what, what might be preventing you from building a, a closer bond with somebody? Like what, there might be like an underlying fear of rejection. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, because of that, you are then, you know, creating space and distance between yourself and, and a partner or like fearful of commitment. Um, like yeah. what's that about? What's, what's like underlying that stuff? So like understanding these, these things that like, you know, have these connections to our childhood, like where do those things come from? But how does, you know, being aware of them help you address them in the present so that you can still have healthy relationships in the present and future? Um, so that's, that's kind of like the, the gist of it all. And like some of the things that I would say can be helpful in like identifying your attachment style mm-hmm. and then how you're working on it to seek out a, a more secure um, relationship. Yeah. And I loved the fact that you said that you don't want to call other attachment styles unhealthy because it's just a matter of what is not serving you and distinguishing that. At least that's how I, that, that's very much my, my way of like approaching all of my, like my, my therapy approach is very much Mm -hmm. like, I'm not here to like judge you and say that like, this is bad or this is wrong, Mm -hmm. but maybe it's more of like something isn't serving you right now it doesn't feel helpful like let's figure out what that thing is because like maybe maybe you think that it's bad but like I I, it's not on me to like label other people's situations because I'm not them and like that's your own experience so like I tried to pull back and view it as like is it helpful or is it hurtful right that's that's my that's my like personal philosophy and in all the work that I do and this is why if you need a therapist everyone contact Jamie (laughs) do it do it do it do it no, this is all great. And things that, I mean, like, have you been listening to my therapy sessions? Because, my God, avoidance <laughs> attachment behavior is the name of the game for Nikisha. <laughs> Fantastical. That was great, Jamie. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next question that I do have is just more kind of a technical question. Is this a real thing or not? And it's a matter of the custody being given to the sister. And we have the court order therapist that is coming in and assessing the situation and is it true that if the therapist recommends that the child be placed somewhere else, that the child can be placed somewhere else, even though there is assigned custody by the dead parents that the sister gets the child? So here's what I'm like imagining could have happened. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say that the parents created some kind of like will document saying that if if they were unexpectedly, you know, killed by mm-hmm. something that her sister, the aunt, would become the legal guardian. Mm-hmm. But also, I think there's there's still like, I imagine a temporary guardianship that's happening, like an emergency situation, okay. because like the actual court processes, I think, take some time. Um, that's that's my understanding, and I could be wrong. I, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember a lot of this that's related to like child welfare. Um, with like temporary guardianship um, versus becoming like a full-time custodian for someone. Um, Mm -hmm. So like 
there might have been, this is an emergency situation. So we're, we're doing this in an emergency way. Um, but I do think that in a situation where like there are court ordered services, part of that includes the fact that like they're going to give a recommendation back to the court at the end. Mm -hmm. And that recommendation could be, you know, I don't think that this is, this situation is the best fit for this child. Maybe we need to explore other options. And like, I would say that for the most part with child welfare, um, that they will always prioritize or try to prioritize families over just like, you know, releasing a child to foster care or something like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, if there was a plan in place where like the aunt has like becomes the guardian, like that might be step one. And then if she decides ultimately like, you know what? I don't think that this is the right fit or or mm. whatever that and and the grandparents of the of the father who died is are willing to take her on that like they could probably petition to become the legal guardian and then okay. you know that that they might then be the next course but like let's say there was nobody else then you know then the then the state would become the guardian and like that's then she would be like released to foster care. Right. Um, right. So if, if there were no other option, then that's what ends up happening. Um, so it could, it could, you know, be a thing, but there's also, um, in some, in some States, I think there, this is like a random aside, but <clears throat> I think that for, I want to say that most States don't have like built in, uh, grandparent rights to, to children but so, I think there might be some states where, like, there there is some, uh, like, priority that grandparents could have in terms of, like, the line of custody. Um, yeah. I don't know where that comes in in terms of, like, grandparents versus uh, niece or aunt, rather, yeah, yeah. especially if it's specifically in their will. Um, so I, I just think that that's, like, an interesting piece of information. In that's fascinating. That mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Cause I've, I've read, oh, I've, I've dug deep in the, uh, relationship subreddit on, on Reddit often. And, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes there are people or like the legal advice subreddit where people mm -hmm. are like, you know, my, my grandparents are, are like demanding to have like more access and they want to like file for some kind of like visitation and for mm -hmm. a lot of places they're like, no, that's not a thing. But I think it does depend on like where that actually is happening. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. The more you know. So bum, ba, da, ba, nice grandparents. <laughs> uh, Brian, uh, were you going to say something? Did you have yeah, something? Yeah, I have a question, uh, Jamie. Mm -hmm. um, in an ideal world, and I recognize that no situation really is going to be ideal or right down the middle, but in an ideal scenario where Megan is obviously not involved, you have this girl who lost her parents was in the traumatic accident in which they passed and you have this aunt who's taking on not only the responsibilities of this grieving child but you're you're grieving yourself in an ideal world like what would the process be for the two of them without this ai doll to start 
the process of healing together because now the aunt has this responsibility on top of the grief and this kid is just in a new environment um and it seems like she doesn't have that great of a relationship with her aunt in general um so i guess you know what's uh what what's your thought there yeah i mean a lot of my answer is going to be therapy um therapy for the aunt therapy for the niece family therapy for the both of them because it Mm. is like a new family unit that they have to adjust to experiencing this like new relationship that they now have. Um, I'm questioned on that alone. Mm-hmm. You, ha- you mentioned three different therapy sessions. Is this the same therapist or do you need to ethically have di- three different therapists? Great question. Um, I think, I mean, yes. And the, the therapist for the child should like, you know, have training in working with children, the therapist for the adult you know, hopefully has training in working with like trauma and grief and, and things like that. So it's like, hopefully they're also like more attuned to those particular needs of the people that they're working with, but it should be different people. The child therapist can also meet with Alison Williams character, Mm -hmm. but not for therapy, more to like, just kind of check in and like, yeah, let her know like how it's all going. Um, and then like, ideally also the family therapist should be somebody else. Mm. Yeah. That's a good question that I think, uh, a lot of people, it it really depends on the situation. Yeah. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think it depends on the situation and like in some, you know, like more extreme situations, maybe one therapist is taking on the role in, in multiple spaces, maybe because of like uh, you know, resources, maybe they, they really can't afford a a different therapist Mm -hmm. and like they're relying on this one therapist, but in a, in an ideal world, as you said, um, Mm -hmm. that they would all have their own respective people. Um, but I think, you know, I also really like the idea of this like school thing that she sought out. I feel like, like she was, (laughs) I didn't know what she was implying about the type of school that it was. And I was like, what do you, how are you going to describe this place? Mm-hmm. But I, I could see her trying to say that it's like an alternative school, like for kids who might be dealing with other like behavioral issues sure. like she is. So I, you know, I think that finding resources that can help provide additional support, like there are alternative schools for children with behavioral issues and like they have a, a they have all these other resources that might come from an IEP, an individualized education plan, um, where they could provide like school counseling, but like any other, you know, supportive thing that she might mm-hmm. need as a result of experiencing this trauma or grief. But like maybe she can't learn in a traditional environment because she's ex- because like everything is transitioning and like she's reeling from the trauma so maybe a situation like this is makes the most sense where she can still learn and go to school yeah they also said she was homeschooled right exactly yeah right right, right. so like how do you transition someone who's been homeschooled and now like they're the person who was homeschooling them is dead Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and like you know allison williams isn't a trained homeschool like she doesn't know so like right how how do you like help somebody transition back to a potential school environment if if they're unable to like take that on themselves which is like a huge load I can't I I can't 
I, I can't even conceptualize what homeschool looks like as like, have you actually know, I, I know that there are ways to figure out like what the curriculum is, but like, I'm not a teacher. I can't imagine like figuring out how to take that on in addition to all of my other responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So it's like, right. I, I don't blame her for wanting to seek out again, all of these additional resources. That's interesting because a different movie. So one thing that I did like about this movie is that Katie from the beginning is never presented as this perfect child. She's complaining yeah. in the car. She obviously feels guilt for what happened to her parents because she was like a distraction in some ways. Like, but a, a different type of movie would maybe investigate the fact that, like, she was homeschooled. She doesn't – she's not socialized that well. That's why mm-hmm. she takes to Megan because she, like, this is a friend and she's never really had a friend before. And she's a little spoiled because, like, she's an only child and is homeschooled. And, like, ha- like this movie does not get into that outside of, like, saying lines that indicate these things. Um, mm-hmm. But that's fascinating, like, that transition that you bring up, Jamie, because – because, like, I feel like we get clues of that in this movie. But, like, listen, this is a campy horror comedy. Like, we're not getting into, the like, the deep and nitty-gritty of, like, all that stuff. So that's fascinating right. to me for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. So, yeah. Any other thoughts on that? Um, I, have, I have two things that I missed from my likes. Mm-hmm. One, I loved that when we saw through Megan's perspective, it, like – calculated the percent of how the person was feeling based on like body language and look like, but I also thought it was interesting because I was watching that and that relates back to my most recent comment about like, like guilt, malice, like all those things going up and down, I thought was fascinating as an insight into like what's happening into these children and the people Uh, like confused, Mm -hmm. like especially when, um, Megan is assessing Katie when she comes in and she's trying to convince her at the end to like be with Megan or whatnot. I thought that was fascinating. Um, And then something else, when that assistant is stealing the files for Megan, Mm. I thought that that was going to be the setup of the sequel, Mm. that like the files survived. You know what I mean? Um, And then when he, when Megan frames him and kills like everyone in that elevator sequence and that's when it came up like it felt a little bit like oh that was it oh like you just that's how you're gonna frame him oh okay that's fine um so that was something there also i forgot to mention this big conversation that jamie and i had in the car the other day and i and she brought it up and i thought it was absolutely fascinating so i want to give her props it's like what did i say james wan (laughs) james wan uh, produce this and part of the story mm-hmm. is 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 credited to him i think that malignant freed james wan i think that james wan created these incredible horror movies like saw like um insidious like the mm-hmm. two first conjuring movies and then he goes on to do like some pretty good movies like um People really like the Aquaman movie. But but Dead Silence gets absolutely panned. And people don't really understand what he's doing there because, like, this is this weird campy giallo, uh, you know, jaunt where these other movies are kind of, like, kind of serious, more grounded, if you will, horror movies with, like, deep relationships and really spooky sequences. And then all of a sudden we have these expectations for Malignant. And Malignant comes out and is a total, divisive, wild, campy movie 
but the trailer presented as like the next scary James Wan movie. And the reaction from that was like, wait, what the hell did I just watch? And you either really (laughs) enjoyed it or couldn't get in and, or couldn't get into the tone of it. And, and we all had very interesting reaction to it because our expectations for very, very different what the movie presented. And I enjoy the movie now after the fact and having watched it a second time, like casually than, um, than the first time we all watched it because like, you know what you're getting. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that freed him from that expectation that every time he's going to deliver a conjuring or an insidious and, and he didn't direct this one, but like, I feel like we're, we understood more knowing that malignant just came out and we saw that wild trailer for this. And like now James Wan's kind of like a Willy Wonka character where like, like you don't know if he's lying or not. You don't know if his next movie is going to be like conjuring, like, like all time great horror movie with like deep emotional connections and great characters and like, like thematic elements that really pop off the screen or like malignant, like let's just like dive the fuck into this thing. And I think that is a wonderful thing for the horror world. Absolutely. I think that's Mm -hmm. a great point. And even with us talking about this, I was thinking about malignant, but that's a great comparison with the trailers and like what, the expectation was as to what you were going to get. And this one is like, we, we know we're going to get camp. So it's all camp. So it was really great. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jamie, all the good things. <laughs> Fantastic. So should we get into rotten tomatoes? Let's rotten what? those tomatoes. No, that's not what you do, but let's do rotten tomatoes. <laughs> yes. It's the rotten tomatoes game. Okay, we have Megan on Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think it has? What do you think our girl Megan has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, Nikisha, let's start with you. I want to say, I want to put this higher, but I want to give it like a, I want to give it like an 86. All right. Jamie, Mm -hmm. what does Megan have? I'm going to go like a tiny bit lower and say an 81. Well, you are both very, very wrong. This has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. You're much cl- the audience <laughs> score is a 79%. So I, I you're you're closer-ish okay. to that for sure. Um but yeah, it's a 94%. And it basically says unapologetically silly and all the more entertaining for it, Megan is the rare horror comedy that delivers chuckles as effortlessly as chills. I think this movie gets your grade if the trailer isn't what it is. The expectations mm-hmm. set for this movie are are, are everything that are the, were the most important thing about this. Yeah, because like yeah, absolutely. Let's look at. I forget what *Malignant* has, but let's see here. *Malignant* mm-hmm. has a seventy-six percent. Um, mm for the critic consensus. And it says, although Malignant isn't particularly scary, director James Wan's return to horror contains plenty of gory thrills and a memorably, a memorably bonkers twist. So that's the difference though. I guess the real difference is that like Malignant has the twist that they didn't want to spoil because that's a part of the fun of it. The wild twist, no spoilers here Mm -hmm. for Malignant, but, um, Megan, like, we know what we're getting. Like, we know it's not a twist that the doll is doing it the whole time. So, like, you're allowed to be more open about what the tone of your movie is versus the malignant. You think it's a serious one, and it is, but, you know, it's... Anyway, that's my my rant about malignant versus that. Anyway, let's get into the four S's. 
Yes. Skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> okay, we have skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. And then uh, we're going to do skulls, scares, and shakes, one through ten. Skulls, how do you think this handled mental health and human behavior? Scares, how scary was it? And uh, then you have uh, shakes. How much are you going to, or dances? How much are you going to be able to, you know, dance this? Megan, dance this off. Is this a one and done? <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see there. So, uh, Jamie, let's start with you. Let's start with you with uh, your uh, your um, skulls. Sure. Um, so for skulls, I I gave this a six. I think that there are a lot of people who are peopling. I think that there's a lot of exaggerated. Uh, responses in people, but like it's still coming from things that I think are more or less based in reality. And then once it like actually kind of goes more into like the trauma and grief and like talking about codependence and attachment, it it actually becomes more realistic. But the therapist being very confused mm. about what her job is in the beginning definitely loses some points for me. Sure. Yes. Um, for scares, I gave this a one. Um, I didn't think that this movie was scary at all. Um, again, it's PG-13, so I imagine that they probably edited out a lot of the spookier things. Can't wait for an unedited version oh, of yeah. the director's cut. Mm, yes. Um, all in on that. Because I just want to see Megan murder more people. Yeah. Um, yes. So, so yeah, this wasn't scary. Uh, and then for shakes, I'm giving this a five. I think that this was a really great start to, as I said to Brian in the theater after we watched it, that this is the best horror of 2023. Um, but I can say that because it was only like the fifth day of the year. So I'm sure there will be more, but I, I was really excited for this. It delivered on exactly what I wanted and it was an overall great time. And I'm going to tell everybody that they all need to go see this movie because it's, it's just really fun. Yeah. Uh, Nikisha, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm close to Jamie on the skulls. I'm going to give it a seven, especially with the conversations that we had about the attachment styles and, and how that is portrayed in mm-hmm. this movie. So uh, even though some of the people things were a little questionable, like Jamie said, it was still really um, good. And for scares, I'm going to give it a three because, you know, that dog uh, at the car got me. Me too, Nikisha. It got oh, me. Oh, I was so upset with myself. I saw, I saw you jump in the theater and then be like, ugh. Yeah, like, damn it. <laughs> truly. Yeah. Truly. So this is a three for me. Uh, and Shakes, I'm going to give this a 10. I will watch this a million times over. Mm. This is a great movie. I have been telling everybody um, to watch this movie, and I loved everything about it, so 10 for me. Great. Um, yeah, Skulls, I'm going to give this a 6 for me. Um, I think that for all the reasons that you all had mentioned, um, this stays at a 6 for me. This is also a little bit more thoughtful than I thought it would be. Listen, I like I said before, this is not like an over-analytical you know, movie about like, you know, attachment theory and like grief, but like it's trying, especially during the um sad scene with Megan in mm-hmm. in the testing. That I love that something like that wasn't included in the trailer because that was a nice layering and dynamic aspect of this movie that I did not expect. Um scares i'm giving it a two for the dog and her opening the toy um those are the two scariest parts of the movie and then i'm giving this a seven like 
I I will absolutely remember this and suggest this to people. Um, but I to me, this is not something I can suggest to everybody, no matter what. This like it has to be a specific type of person looking for a specific type of thing. Whereas like the, there are other tens that we have on here, or eights or nines for me, where I would suggest it. You know, like based on like 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 a Rosemary's Baby or something like that. Or I'm looking at other okay. tens on here, like Get Out. You know what I mean? Like those are like it doesn't matter what kind of horror family fan you are you need to watch this versus this where it's like this is for certain types of people but um yeah that's for me all right let's go into suggestions uh nikisha let's start with you yeah you know i was thinking um about tv shows interesting um tv shows of technology going awry and ai things um especially since we have our tiktok of movie suggestions. So I am going to suggest if you like the whole technology gone wrong thing, Westworld. Good one. Time, lots of good AI moments. Black Mirror, of course. Uh, lots of good moments there. There's also um, an anthology series on Amazon Prime called Solos. And mm. some of the technology AI things on there are, are really cool as well. Even though it's pretty low on Rotten Tomatoes, but I was like, this is entertaining to me. And I love an anthology series. Cool. Um, so <laughs> solos on Amazon Prime. And then the last one, uh, it's technology gone wrong, but it's a comedy. And it's also Amazon Prime. And it's called Upload. And it's really great and cute. And I love cool. it. But all the technology is really terrible. <laughs> uh, Jamie. Yeah, I went pretty basic. Um, I would suggest Child's Play. If you want mm -hmm. the story of a, of a child's doll companion who is not as it seems, um, it's, it's a great time. Cool. Great time. Um, I've got two. Uh, one, if you want more Allison Williams, but you, you've already seen like the, 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 the get outs and the perfections mm -hmm. of the world, um, try Horizon Line. Um, it's more of a like, oh no, I need to, I need to fly the plane. How do we survive type of movie as opposed oh, to like God. a horror movie, like, like that type. But just in terms of like, if you want, if you want more to add to your, why should Allison Williams be in the horror movie conversation? Not the, and when Jamie and I talked about this, not the scream Queens, but the horror but, movie actress. Fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yes. That one. And then my second one is if you want the best AI, robot movie, horror movie, sci-fi movie, whatever you want to define it, uh, you need to watch Ex Machina. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I've, I love that movie. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's my other one. Um, yeah, cool. Great. Fantastical. Well, that wraps up our episode of uh, Megan. Brian, you want to give me that government name again? Yeah, absolutely. It is the <laughs> Model 3 Generational Generative Android. Model 3 Generative Android. Mrs. Android, if you're nasty. That's what we're going <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Oh. So you... Oh, go ahead, Brian. Oh, one thing I want to say before we end, and I know we're running long here, but... I saw, this was our first horror movie of the year, and I'm mm. super pumped about it. I saw 35 new horror movies last year. Like, I saw 35 horror movies that came out in 2022 last year. I'm saying it on the podcast. I would like to break that record this year. I'm keeping my list. So Megan is the first one of this year. I, I would love to, um, to, to get my number over that. Um, 
for so that we can just be a little bit more contextual on this podcast. Um, and yes, that, that's all I'm going to say. Thank you. Have a great day. <laughs> well, also, we need to shout out Shudder so that we can make that happen because yeah. we can cover all of yeah. the new Shudder movies that come out on this podcast. So Shudder, help us out. Hashtag help us out because we're doing our out. best. And great. So just doing our best. This wraps up our episode. You can follow us on all of the social meds at Talk Horror Pod. And we have some really cool things happening on the TikTok. So please go check that out as well. And we're trying to get to 10K followers. So help us out, guys. Give us a little follow. And Brian, where can they listen to us? Yeah, you can listen to us wherever you get podcasts. So that is things like Spotify, the Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and of course, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. There. Five stars, please. And thank you. <laughs> so I think we already said it, but we're going to end it with titanium. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Fire away, fire away. Fire away. Oh my God. My whole body leapt into the screen during that scene. Like, I just felt like so my soul leave my body and was like, this is, <laughs> this is the, this is what I needed from this movie. This is what I want. This is what I needed. Everything. Absolutely. Oh, so good. Megan delivered. She did. She delivered. She sent right, an email. Guys. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Bye. 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 Oh yeah. Remember when she, uh, she intercepted <laughs> that phone call? Wild. Anyway. All right, oh, okay. that was great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm